Yes, sir. Come here, buddy. You want to put your paper right here? Can you see it? Here, I tell you what, they can't see you. You stand right here. Brother Jeff, hold that for you, all right? We'll do it like We're going to do it out music, okay? There's coming a day when the world ain't so cold. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on the happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I work the potter's face, when he saves me by the grace, when he takes me by the hand, when he leaves the promised land. What a day! Glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, when he saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand, when he leads through the promised lands, what a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more birds to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, no more pride over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face. When he saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the paw, when he leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. Brother Larry, better look out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Bible said, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I heard I heard some young people behind me shouting, Amen. Yeah. That don't bother me a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. Oh, yeah. Good, good spirit in the house. I'm up here to introduce Brother Josh. So that's what I got to do. Amen. Uh, I appreciate Brother Josh Brady. Amen. And uh, I love him and grown to love him. 
and uh, he goes to summer camp with us. Brother Art's on the board of directors with us, and um, Brother, Art, uh, Brother Josh is one of our, our counselors. That's because we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, and uh, <laughs> I pick on him, but I appreciate him. And I appreciate how the Lord's got his hand upon him, amen? Yeah, and, uh, and we need to pray that uh, God will continue to, to anoint him and use him. And I appreciate the stand that he takes for the Lord. And, uh, and I enjoy his preaching, amen? And I trust that you'll pray for him tonight. Yeah. And I pray for Saved by Grace Ministries, amen? amen. Uh, something that God put on Brother Josh's heart uh, a year or so ago. Several years ago. Several years ago. And uh, praying for a tent. God gave him the tent. And uh, that tent... It's about wore out, and they're uh, needing to buy another one, amen. And uh, it was about 30 years old when they got it. And uh, so you pray God will help supply the needs there. And uh, that's what we need in our uh, our communities is uh, preachers uh, that will rise up. Brother Jeff and I, we're not over the hill yet. We're, we're about halfway up, but uh, we need some guys to start at the bottom and start coming, amen. And I appreciate Brother Josh. And that's really what the camp is about is try to encourage young people, get on fire for God and go back to their church. And uh, be a blessing and help. Brother Josh has been a blessing to the camp when he was a camper. And uh, now he's a blessing now that he's a worker. And uh, you pray for him as he comes tonight. And I say this all the time at the camp, so I'll just act like I'm at the camp tonight. Would you just go ahead and promise the Lord tonight? Listen to me now. You ought to do this every time you come to the house of the Lord. Why are you sitting where you're at right now? Just go ahead and promise the Lord. Lord, whatever you speak to my heart about, I'm going to do it. Yeah. If you'll go ahead and do that now... When the invitation comes and the devil says, oh, don't move. You say, oh, I got to. I done promised the Lord I was going to listen right. to him. Right. We ought to do that every Sunday, every time yeah. we come to church house, Brother yeah. Jeff. Right. Just go ahead and tell the Lord, Lord, whatever whatever you speak to my heart today today about it, I'm going to do it. Right. That'll cut down That'll cut down the invitation time. You'll just move instantly because you yeah. you're, not, you're not trying to cut a deal with the Lord then. You just got to be obedient. Amen. <laughs> when he's done, Brother Josh, you come preach. Amen. Amen. Anybody else got anything they want to say tonight? We're on God's time. It's not on our time. Amen. If not, turn to Second Kings chapter number four. I've been battling this all week, preaching this. Uh, tried to study somewhere else. God led me back here, and I said, "Well, okay. Well, I'll go over here and study." And God led me back here. And as the week went on, God kept put, uh, pressing this uh, message on my heart. Uh, for some of you, uh, it's going to be a refresher because we preached it back at the last tent meeting on Wednesday night. Uh, but I ask that you pray for me tonight. Not very many pre uh, preachers uh, have I ever heard preach out of this passage of Scripture. 
uh, but I believe it's something that's needed in the day and time that we live. Amen? Uh, so 2 Kings in chapter number 4, I ask that you stand with us as we read God's Word. 2 Kings chapter number 4, verse number 38, it says, And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there is a dearth in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot, seeth uh, pottage for the sons of the prophets. And one, of them, uh, one went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered thereof wild gourds his life full, and came and shredded, uh, shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. Uh, so they poured out uh, for the men to eat, and it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot, and they uh, could not eat thereof. Uh, but he said, Then bring meal. Uh, and he cast it into the pot, and he said, Pour it out for the people uh, that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. And there, was, uh, there came a man uh, from uh, uh, about... We're going to say Baal-Shili, uh and uh, brought the man of God bread, uh, the fruit, uh, 20 loaves of, uh, of barley, and full ears of corn uh, in the husk thereof, and said, uh, said, Give unto the people uh, that they may eat. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for allowing us to come once again under the tabernacle tonight. Uh, God, I pray and thank you for the spirit we felt thus far, God. Uh, Lord, how you moved in our hearts tonight, Lord, thus far, God. Uh, but God, now I pray that you'll bless the reading of your scripture tonight, Lord. I pray, uh, God, that you'll uh, just set me aside for a little while and preach through me tonight, God. Uh, God, I pray that you'll speak to hearts and minds that are out here tonight, Lord. Give us what we stand in need of. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. Uh, you may be seated. Uh, so like I said, for most people, this may not be a very familiar passage of scripture, but uh, it is something that we can see here that can be a help in our lives, amen. Uh, so we see here, verse number 38, Elisha uh, has come to Gilgal, and there's a great dearth in the land, uh, and he's with the sons of the prophets. Now the sons of the prophets was uh, nothing more than Bible scholars. They were Bible school students, uh, and he's here with them, and it's becoming uh, uh, supper time. And he said unto the servant, he said, Now I know there's a dearth in the land, uh, or there's a great dry, uh, uh, famine in the land, but I want you to set on the pot. Uh, I want you to go out into the field, and I want you to gather all the herbs that you can find, uh, uh, and we're going to go out, we're going to make some pottage for these sons of the prophets, uh, uh, and we're going to eat, amen. Uh, uh, well, they went out to the fields, and they couldn't find no herbs, but they found some wild vines, and on them wild vines uh, uh, were these gourds, amen. Uh, uh, they didn't know what they were, they didn't really uh, uh, ever recognize them from before, so they just grabbed up as much as they could. They said, well, it looks edible, so let's get it, we got to eat something, uh, and they grabbed up a lot full of them gourds, uh, and they took it back to the camp and they began to cut it up and throw it into the great pot uh, uh, to make pottage. And once it was ready, they poured it out uh, uh, for everybody to eat. Amen. Uh, uh, when they began to eat, they began to get sick and some began to die. Amen. Uh, and the men began to cry out, Oh, man of God, there's death in the pot. Amen. Uh, uh, there's something in this pot that just ain't right. Uh, uh, there's something in here that's making us sick. Uh, uh, there's something in here that's killing us. Uh, oh, man of God, what are we going to do? He said, I want you to go over there and I want you to grab us some meal. Uh, and he cast that meal in the pot uh, and that poison uh, uh, that was deadly
Holy was neutralized. Amen. Uh, now we can stop right there and just shout a while uh, that there was death in the pot and that He cast meal into the pot. Uh, oh, and now uh, the pot uh, uh, was no more longer deadly. Amen. Uh, but I want to dig a little deeper and see that there's a little bit more in this uh, passage of Scripture here uh, than, than just death in the pot. Amen. Uh, but I see here that there's a picture of a man uh, under the bondage of sin. Amen. Uh, now I'm just going to go here real quickly through a uh, uh, introduction and we'll get into the message. Uh, uh, but we see here about the pot that he set up. Amen. Uh, now this pot here, uh, it represents man. Uh, this pot represents each and every one of us. Uh, it represents our testimony. Uh, and what we put in this pot is what we're going to be serving out to this world. Amen. Uh, we're the light of this world. Uh, and we're to go out to a lost and dying world uh, and tell them about God. Uh, and this is our testimony. Uh, this is what people see in us. Uh, uh, when we go out into the communities uh, and we go out, uh, what are they seeing in our pots? Amen. Are they seeing sin? Are they seeing the world? Are they seeing Christ in our pots? Amen. Each and every one of us, when we're born, uh, we're given one pot in our life. Uh, we're given one testimony. It takes a whole uh, a lifetime to build up that testimony. Uh, but it takes a split second uh, uh, to utterly destroy your testimony. Amen. Uh, everything was fine in the pot uh, until they started throwing them gourds in, uh, until they started throwing the uh, death in the pot. Uh, hey, let me tell you, all it takes uh, is one wild gourd uh, in your pot. Amen. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. Uh, but it takes one God in your pot uh, uh, to destroy your testimony. Amen. So we see the pot uh, and how it represents man. Uh, but we look on. Uh, we see the pottage. Now, uh, pottage comes from the Hebrew word uh, uh, for pride. Uh, so there's no doubt in my mind uh, uh, there was when uh, Elisha sent them out and he wanted to make pottage for them. Uh, uh, he was wanting something to make something that he could be proud of. He was wanting to make something that he could serve to them. Uh, that he could say, hey, we made this uh, and we made it for the sons of the prophets and it was good. He wanted to be proud of it. Amen. When God made us, uh, when God created man and they was in the Garden of Eden, uh, uh, there's no doubt He made them uh, something uh, uh, that He could be proud of. At uh, one time in the Bible, He said over there in Genesis, uh, it is good when He looked upon man before sin entered into this world. Amen. Oh yes, He was something that He could be proud of. Uh, but then sin entered into the picture and death entered into the pot. Amen. Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Amen. No longer could it be something that he could be proud of. Not only do we see the pottage, uh, but we see here the field. Amen. Them servants, they went into the field. They went out to try to find herbs. Uh, they went out to try to find something to cast into the pot uh, uh, for the pottage. Uh, uh, now the field represents the world. Amen. And if we're not careful, the things that we find in the world could be cast into our pots and cause death into the pots. Amen. Can I tell you, we're in this world, uh, but we're not of this world. Amen. Oh, yes, we've got to go out into this world. We've got to go to school. We've got to go to work. Uh, yes, we've got to associate with people out here in the world, uh, uh, but we don't need to be picking up habits uh, and picking up things out of the world. Uh, uh, we're to be separate from the world. Amen. Uh, we're to look different. Uh, we're to talk different. Uh, we're to dress different. Amen. Uh, we've got to be careful what we get out there in the world. Amen. How we saw the field. But nextly, I see that they went out there to gather herbs. 
Now, herbs is the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for herb means light. Amen. Over in Matthew chapter five, verse fourteen and six through sixteen, it says, "Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, uh, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Uh, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." Can I tell you something? We are supposed to be the herbs of this world, amen. We are the light of this world, amen. And what we're casting into our pot, it's the light that's going out into this world. What we sow into our pot, it's what we're reaping out to the world, amen. If we're not sowing out light, if we're not sowing out Jesus, we're no longer serving the Lord, and we're sowing out corruption into this lost and dying world, amen. We see the herbs, and I know I'm going quickly, but I'm trying to get to a point here, amen. We see the herbs, but we also see the vine. The Hebrew word for vine means to bend or crooked. You better be careful to them vines that you grab hold of. You better be careful to them wild vines that you grab hold of out there in the field, amen. Some, uh, some vines may not be as deadly, but let me tell you something, you better be careful. These men went out into the field and they began to grab up them wild vines that they didn't know anything about. They didn't know what they were. They didn't know if they were good for them, if they were bad for them. But either way, one way or another, they just started grabbing them up. They grabbed up as many as they could. They grabbed up a lot for them. They took them back to camp and began to cut up what was on that vine, amen. And what was on them vines is what caused the death in the pot. And this is where we're going to park for a little bit, amen, with the Lord being our helper. What was on them vines was the gourds. And them gourds that they cut up and put into the pot was what had the poison that was killing them sons of the prophets, that was making them sick, amen. It is what was causing death in the pot. Can I tell you, if we're not careful today, uh, the gourds that we put in our pot could end up killing us spiritually, amen. It could end up harming us spiritually, amen. It can not only harm us, but it could end up harming those that are around us, uh, our family, our church family, those that we work with, those that we go to school with, uh, those gourds that we cast into our pot. Uh, it's what we're serving out to this world, amen. And so many Christians today, they stop putting a guard on what they're putting into their pots. They stop caring about what they're putting in their pots, amen. And one by one, I'm watching them. Uh, those that I used to preach in meetings with, uh, those that I used to go to youth camp with, uh, those that I stood, sat under and they preached to me, I got help from the pulpit. Uh, some of them, they, because of the gods they cast into their pot, uh, they're no longer in church. Uh, they're no longer serving the Lord. Uh, they're no longer preaching. Uh, why? Because they didn't put a filter on what they put in their pot uh, and they didn't care about the gods they put in their pot. Uh, can I tell you something? You better be careful uh, with the sin you're messing around with. Uh, you better be careful with the sin that you're allowing into your pot uh, and allowing into your life uh, because spiritually it could end up killing you. Amen. Amen. Destroy your testimony. Amen. But I see you want to look at a few of the gourds that Christians uh, are casting into their pots. Amen. First I see uh, the gourd of alcohol. Amen. The gourd of alcohol. Many will say, well, Brother Joshua, the Bible says, a little wine's good for the belly. Well, you better do us a little bit of research and see what that wine was back in Bible days right. Right. because it's not the same kind of wine that we have today, amen. 
Last time I checked, the Bible says, Be not drunk with wine where it excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. But yet Christians today have come to a new level of thinking the alcohol is okay to drink. And one by one, they're casting the alcohol into their pots without any care, without any regret. Uh, uh, they're casting it into their pots. Uh, and because of that, they're, they're, they're destroying their own lives. Uh, they're destroying their families. Amen. Uh, one by one, they're destroying their family. Brother Jeff, why is the divorce rate so high? Because they're casting alcohol into their pots. Uh, our dads are getting drunk and they're going in and beating their family useless. Amen. Uh, why? Because they don't care about the gods that they're casting into their pot. Amen. Families are being destroyed. Uh, hey, can I tell you something? Not only that, uh, but you're destroying your own body, amen. When you drink alcohol, all you're doing is destroying the body that God's given you. The last time I checked, the Bible says your body's a temple that the Lord's given unto you. Now why are you going to destroy the temple that God has given you with? You're not going to go over across the street and destroy that church, amen. Why? Because it's the temple of God. It's the house of God. Well, our bodies are a living sacrifice to the Lord. Our bodies are a temple. Why are we destroying the very temple that God has given us, amen? You can keep drinking it. And before long, you'll end up with cirrhosis of the liver. Your kidneys will shut down, end up with cancer. Why? Because you wanted to cast it into your pot. Because you did not care about that gourd in your life, amen. Not only that, but also see the gourd of tobacco, amen. Today, it used to be tobacco probably in y'all's days. Today, it's e-cigarettes and vapes. I'm going to go on record and say I hate them all. I can't stand the smell of them. I can't stand the look at them. Why? Because they're destroying people's lives and destroying people's testimony. One by one, they're going out and they're throwing the gourd of tobacco, e-cigarettes, vapes, whatever you want to use, and they're casting it into their pots without any regret, without any remorse, not caring about their testimony. Now, you say, well, there's nothing in the Bible about smoking. No, there might not be. But I can tell you again, the Bible says your body's a temple. And I guarantee you, you're not going to take a cigarette into the church and light it up. Why? Because you have respect for that house over there. You have respect for that temple. Why don't you have respect for the temple that God's given you? Amen. Heard a man of God say one time, he preached here Monday night, Brother Mike Bell. He said, our bodies are made to breathe one thing and one thing only and that is oxygen. That's all our bodies are made. And when we're taking in the tobacco and we're taking in that smoke, all you're doing is you're killing yourself slowly. You're going to end up with uh, cancer of your mouth, nose. We have an uncle, uh, daddy's uncle, my great uncle, that uh, because of smoking and using tobacco nearly his whole life, uh, his top jaw is gone. His nose is gone. Why? Because he wanted to cast the gourd of tobacco into his, uh, uh, into his pot, and because of it, he ended up with cancer several times. Amen. And you're destroying your testimony, destroying your temple that God's given you without any care or remorse about your testimony. Amen. Now, what would people say if you're sitting there and they want to, uh, they come up to you, Brother Jeff, and they say, well, brother, we need you to tell us how to get saved. Tell us how to get saved. And while you're sitting there, you're, well, the Bible says that you got to be born again. I'm going to tell you what I'd do right there. I'd turn around and walk the other way. Because what I'm going to see is say, well, if that's what a Christian is, if that's what 
they are, I'm already in that shape. I'm already doing that. So surely if that's what a Christian is, I already must be a Christian. Amen. Why? Because we're the light in this world. And if we're not setting the example for the world, and that's the kind of example that we're setting, amen, where are they going? They're going straight to hell because of our life and their blood is on our hands, amen. Not only do I see tobacco, uh, but I also see nextly tattoos, amen. I understand there may be some here tonight that has tattoos. You got tattoos before you got right with God. I understand that. But the Bible says over here in Leviticus 19.28, Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh or, uh, uh, for the dead, nor print uh, any mark upon your body. Amen. And one by one, people are saying, well, tattoos are cool. I can get a cross on my arm. I can get a cross on my chest. I can get John 3.16 tattooed across my head. It'll be cool. The Bible says that we're not to mark up our bodies. Again, our bodies are a temple. Our bodies wasn't made to take in that ink, amen. And they're taking that, them tattoos, and they're marking up their bodies, and they're looking, well, this could be a good sign to get people to talk to me, and I can witness to them. Again, they're going to look at it and say, well, I already have tattoos, and if that's what a Christian does, I'm already a Christian, amen. But they're going out and getting tattoos left and right and casting it into their pots, amen. Not only tattoos, but I see worldly music, amen. This might strike a little bit, bit of a nerve here, but I'm just going to sit here and preach. Child of God has no business listening to any music that promotes the world, that promotes fornication, adultery, drug use, alcohol use. We have no business listening to that. Oh, Brother Joshua, but it says Jesus' name in it. It talks about going to church. But yeah, if you listen to the next verse, it's talking about smoking. It's talking about drinking. It has cussing in it. Amen. What do we have any business to uh, listening to that kind of music, amen? Oh, well, it's just listening. It's okay. It ain't going to hurt me. Yeah, but what's going in this ear is sinking down into your heart. What's sinking in that ear is going down into that heart. And when it reaches that heart, that's what's going to start coming out your mouth. And that's the kind of lifestyle you're going to begin to live. You say, how do you know that, Brother Joshua? Because when I was in high school, I began to rebel against God. And I started listening to the worldly music. That's exactly what happened to me. Amen. Oh, I'm just listening to it. It ain't going to do nothing to me. But before long, I was talking like the world. I was acting like the world. I was dressing like the world. Why? Because I allowed the music to sink deep into my heart. Amen. Well, child of God has no business listening to anything other than a song that glorifies and praises our Lord. Amen. If it ain't praising God, we shouldn't be listening to it. Amen. But one by one, they're taking that worldly music and they're casting it into their pots. Amen. Hey, can I ask you, what about when your friends get in your car with you? You know, those that you've been praying for, those that you've been trying to get to come to church, those that you've been witnessing to, amen. You've been trying to tell them they had to be born again. And they get in your car and you turn on your radio and the first thing they hear is that worldly, ungodly music and it's beepity, beep, 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 amen. And what are they going to think, amen? Well, again, if that's what a Christian is, I'm already living that way, amen. And they're casting that into their pots. They're casting it into their testimony. And just through that worldly music, destroying their testimony completely. Amen. Not only do I see worldly music, but I also see our dress. Amen. The way we dress. Amen. 
can I take a time out and say here, if it ain't for sale, you don't need to put a for sale sign on it. Yeah. Boys and girls, yeah. if it ain't for sale, you don't need to put a for sale sign on it. Amen. Left and right, you hear people say, well, I don't understand why that boy, I don't understand why that girl keeps bugging me and talking to me. I don't want to have nothing to do with them. They're sending me these text messages and phone calling me and Snapchatting me. Or again, if you put some clothes on and start dressing modestly, that might not happen as much, amen. But can I take another time out and say it's not necessarily the kid's fault, it's the parent's fault. If the parents would get a backbone like they used to have and say, you ain't dressing like that in my house, uh, you're not going out of this house dressed like that. Uh, either pull up your pants, uh, pull down your uh, skirt, uh, pull up your shirt, uh, and dress like a man uh, or dress like a lady, amen. You're not walking out of this house, amen. But parents have forsaken uh, the dress code in their houses. Uh, why? Because, oh, they want to look popular. They want to look like everyone else. Uh, uh, we're to be separate. Uh, we're not to look like this world. Uh, we're not to dress like this world. Uh, we should dress different. Uh, they could tell by the way we dress. Uh, uh, they should be able to tell by the way we dress uh, that we are a Christian, born again, on our way to heaven. Amen. Amen. I work at Chick-fil-A over here in Hiram, and I dare say if I walked in not in uniform, I can tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to get written up. I'm going to get sent home and told to get my uniform on and get back to work. Brother Cody's right back there, works for an EMS play, uh, company. What would happen if you didn't come in in uniform? Get fired. Can I tell you something? Same thing. We're to be different from the world. We're supposed to look different from the world. We're supposed to dress different from the world. Bible talks about how we're to dress in modest apparel. Amen. Uh, hey, when we go out into the community, we should look different uh, and be modest in the way we dress. Amen. But left and right, they're taking that dress and they're throwing it into their pots. And they're saying, I don't care about the way I dress. I'm going to dress like I want to. Because if I don't dress like the rest of the crowd, if I don't dress with the, like the people I work with or the people I go to school with, they're going to start looking at me funny. They're going to start laughing at me. They're going to start making fun of me. Amen. Who cares what they think about you? Amen. Right. If you learn to let your pride go, and I'm going to hit, hit on that here in just a minute, but if you let your pride go and stop worrying about what everybody else thought about yeah. you and started worrying about what God thought about right. you and the testimony that He's given you, amen, right. and stop casting it into your pot, amen. Not only do I see the way we dress, uh, but I also see our boyfriends and girlfriends, and I know this is more for the young folks, but for our boyfriends and girlfriends, Bible says that we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, amen. And the thing that we got going on today is it's okay for someone that's been born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, goes to a good Bible-believing church to go out with a boy or a girl that's an atheist or that's a Catholic that doesn't even match up with their standards. Well, you say, well, Brother Joshua, why is that so important? Well, I'll tell you why it's so important. Well, you can keep dating them and you can keep going down the road and y'all get married and before long you're going to have kids and guess what's going to end up happening when them kids come to be? Are they going to be atheists or are they going to be a Christian? Oh, Brother Joshua, I'm going to get them in church. Uh, I'm going to get them in there. They're going to start coming. They're going to get born again. Everything's going to work out. Well, let me tell you something. Nine times out of ten, I've seen it time and time again. Before you get them in church, they're going to get you out of church. Amen. Why? Because sin has a bigger pull than those that are out with God. Amen. Why? Because we're in this flesh. 
but it's okay with boys and girls being unequally yoked together. Hey, can I tell you the reason you might have so much trouble and misery in your life? It might be because you're hooked up with the wrong boy or wrong girl in your life. Amen. If mom and daddies, again, would stop, start putting their foots down and say, hey, you're not going to date that boy. Hey, you're not going to date that girl. Then we wouldn't maybe have the problem that we have today. Amen. Why is divorce rates so high? Not only because of alcohol, because there's folks that are unequally yoked together. And there's conflict in their marriage. And they can't get things settled, so they end up having to get a divorce. Amen. I'll never forget when I was in high school. I'd come home, tell mom and daddy, I said, well, I asked this girl out today. Well, you can go back tomorrow and tell her to forget it. Well, that went on a few times, and I come in, and I thought, all right, I got all the detail, details worked out. I walked in, okay, Mom and Daddy, this is the girl I asked out. They said, well, you can forget it. I said, well, here, here's the deal. And I started laying it out there, and they started laying out Scripture. I went, oh. And he said, well, that's fine. You can go on back to school, and you can continue to date her, and you can continue to live your life like you want to. Uh, but just know next Sunday will be your last Sunday preaching on the radio. And just know any meetings that you have planned, they're going to be canceled. And just know any preachers that call and ask you to preach, I'm going to tell them what's going on and why you can't come preach. Right. And let me yeah. tell you, that, that girlfriend didn't mean a thing to me anymore. Why? Because my mom and daddy took a stand and said, hey, you're not going to be unequally yoked together. You're not going to see that girl. Hey, man, we need to stop casting those boyfriends and girlfriends into the pot. Yeah. And ruining our testimonies, amen. Not only do we see, I see uh, boyfriends and girlfriends, but I also see uh, the things that we look on on our, our electronic devices, amen. On our computers, on our uh, tablets, on our TVs. Those things that we keep looking at that we ought not to be looking at, amen. You say, what are you saying, Brother Joshua? You know those nights, young people, that you're in your uh, bedroom and you're supposed to be asleep? but you're sitting there on your uh, iPhone or you're on your iPad and you're looking up things and looking at pictures that you ought not to be looking at? Or what about that husband that uh, you say, well, I'm just flipping through the channels and you pass the channel. Oh, let me go back and just see what that was about. And on there is a half-naked woman. Or wife that you go back and you go back uh, and there's a half-naked man standing there. Why? Child of God has no business looking at those things. But yet, because of our electronic devices, we have it right at the touch of our hands. Oh, Brother Joshua, my wife don't know. My husband don't know. My parents don't know. My pastor don't know. But I know someone that does know. Amen. Oh, yeah, I'm scared of what that man right there thinks and what he knows about me. And that's pretty much everything. And yes, I care about what he thinks, but I care a whole lot more what he thinks about me, amen. Why? He sees everything I see. He knows the things I look at, amen. He knows the things that you look at. And if you're on your electronic devices and you're looking at things you ought not to do, guess what you're doing? You're sowing corruption straight into your heart, amen. And you can begin to lust after those things. Oh, Brother Joshua, it's okay just to look. Well, I read over there in the Bible about David where he went up on the top of the uh, housetop and he began to look upon a woman named Bathsheba. Uh, By all means, he probably thought, well, it's okay. I'm just going to look at her. It's okay to look. But eventually looking was no longer good. And eventually the lust of the eyes was no longer good and the lust of the flesh began to come out. And he sent his servants to inquire of her further. And before long, she bared a child. 
and before long to try to cover up the sin uh, from him looking, he ended up causing a man his life and having a man killed to try to cover up the sin he had in his life. Why? Because he thought it'd be okay to look. You go down to the sex offender end of the jail, and Brother Nathan's here and the deputy, he could probably tell you they have to set them aside separate because they know if those uh, sex offenders get there with the regular murders, they'll kill them. They have no use for the sex offenders, the child molesters. You probably go in there nine times out of ten, they're probably going to say it started with looking. It started looking at something on the computer. It started looking at magazines. We need to put a guard on the things that we're casting into our pot that we're looking at on our electronic devices. Amen. Not only that, but also see uh, the corrupt communication. You say, well, Brother Joshua, I don't cuss. Oh, yeah, corrupt communication, cussing, that's one of them, but it goes a little bit further than cussing. Paul says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth. Amen. Oh, yeah, child of God has no business using any profanity. The day and time we live, I think the majority of them think it's okay. It's just an everyday language. That's why I've heard people say, oh, it's just an everyday word now. It's okay. It's, it's all right to say it. No, it's not all right. Child of God has no business using profanity. But it goes a little bit further than that. It goes, did you hear about, oh, so-and-so? You wouldn't believe what they did. Corrupt communication, spreading them gossip and lies and rumors. Left and right. Something will happen. I guarantee you, Brother Jeff, if you say something at church that someone didn't like, before service is out, everybody around Paulton County knows about it. Why? Because right here, did you hear what he preached? Because they got their feelings hurt. Because they're upset. And they're spreading them gossip and they're spreading the lies. And, oh, Brother Joshua, no one knows that I'm spreading them. I'm telling them down at the beauty salon. I'm telling them at work. I'm telling them at school. No one else knows about them things. No. But let me tell you, word does get back around. And word gets back around, it's going to end up causing some problems in the church. It'll cause some problems in your family. Amen. I've seen it time and time again uh, because someone wanted to start a lie, because someone wanted to start a rumor. A whole church ended up splitting. Why? Because someone thought it'd be okay to take that corrupt communication and start sowing it into their pot. Amen. And they're t- taking it one by one and throwing it in. Not only do I see corrupt communication, and I'm trying to move on quickly here, but I also see pride. Amen. Day and time we live, people's pride is so much higher than they are. It's all about them. It's all about where they've been. It's all about what they've done. Uh, preachers, they'll come in with their Bibles tucked under their arm, their chest poked out, their noses up in the air, and it's, I have arrived. It's all about how many souls I've led to the Lord. Can I say, it's not about us. It's not about Brother Jeff. It's not about Brother Jaron. It's not about this brother right here. But it's all about what God has done. Amen. Amen. It's all about how God has saved souls from hell. It's not about what we've done, the works that we've done. It's the things, the doors that He's opened, those souls that He's saved from hell. Amen. But pride goes a little bit further than that nowadays. People are coming into church and they're saying, well, I can't stand up and testify. I can't go and witness to someone I can't go knock on a door. I can't go pass out a track. Why? Because they're scared that someone might laugh at them, that someone might make fun of them. Can I tell you, young people, as you go back to school this year, you're in the biggest mission field that you could ever be in. 
And that's the schoolhouse, amen. Never forget, I wasted several years in school uh, because I was one of them people. I didn't want to go talk to anybody. I was scared, Brother Jeff. I didn't want to get laughed at or made fun of. I've seen other people get laughed at because of it. And I finally decided, hey, you know what? I'm not going to worry about what people think about me no more. I'm just going to go in and I'm going to mind the Lord. I'm going to let my pride go for a little while and just mind the Lord. After a little while praying and doing what God told me to do, before long, Brother Curtis, I got to lead one of my friends to the Lord. And if I'd never let my pride go, if I'd have, got, if I'd have just kept casting pride into my pot and kept going into the schoolhouse, their blood would have been on my hands. Why? Because I was casting pride into my pot. I was letting my pride get in the way. So many people nowadays, Brother Joshua, I understand why, uh, uh, why God's not blessing like He used to. I don't understand why God's uh, uh, not opening doors like He used to. Brother Joshua, I just don't understand it. Well, if you let your pride go. Yes. Bible says, humble yourselves before God that He may exalt you. And I know I didn't quote that just right, but He talks about if we'll humble ourselves, if we'll let our pride go, that He'll lift us up, uh, that He'll exalt us, uh, He'll open them doors for us. He wants to pour the storehouse of blessings out on us. Uh, he's wanting to pour them out on us, but because of the pride in our life and because what well, we keep catching into our pots, amen, then blessings are being stored up and they're not being cast out, amen. Yeah. And they're taking pride and they're casting it into their pots. But also see not only that, but also see rebellion. Rebellion is a big thing people are casting into their pots today. Simple definition of rebellion is to know to do right and to do it not, or to be told to do something and not do it. And Christians nowadays are running around rebelling against God. They know exactly what the Word of God says. They know the things that they're casting into their pot. They should not be casting into their pot, but yet they keep rebelling. They keep going against God. They keep destroying their own testimony. Amen. There's some that God is dealing with about doing things, but yet they keep running from God. What are they doing? They're rebelling against God. Can I say this tonight? You can continue to rebel against God, and you can keep running from God, but God will get your attention. If you're a born-again child of God, God will get your attention one way or another. Daddy's sitting over here, and he can uh, testify to this. When he was 18 years old, uh, God was calling him to preach, and he ran for two years, uh, kept running and kept running. God kept telling him to preach, and it took God laying him on his back in a hospital, nearly dying with a kidney stone for eight months, going through nine surgeries, temperatures reaching about 108 degrees, I believe it was, nearly died for God to get his attention. You can continue to rebel against God, and you can continue to live your life like you all want to, and you can continue to backtalk your parents, and you can continue to keep uh, casting uh, the things in your pot that you ought not to. You can keep living your life in sin and rebelling against God, but God will get your attention one way or another. I've heard them say, Brother Joshua, I was living in sin. God had to take my family and have them killed just to get my attention. Brother Joshua, God had to lay me on my back in a hospital bed to get my attention. What's it going to take for God to get your attention tonight? What's it going to take for God to get your attention? We want to see a revival. We want God to send a true Holy Ghost-filled revival in our churches and in our homes and in our families and in our communities. But yet we keep rebelling against God. 
Bible says over there in Second Chronicles 7, 14, My people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. If we want a revival, we want God to send a touch to our land, we've got to get some things right first. We've got to stop rebelling against God. We've got to stop taking these things and digging them into our pots and stirring up that death in our pot that's killing us spiritually. Amen. Can I tell you tonight, you might be here as they begin to get a song, Brother Curtis. You might be here tonight and you say, Well, Brother Joshua, I am living my life in sin. I have been casting some things in my pot and rebelling against God. But I want to get some things right with God tonight. Bible says over there, Sons of the prophets, over in uh, verse number uh, uh, 40, it says, O thou uh, man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat thereof. They done told the man of God, Hey, there's death in the pot. There's death in the pot, and it's killing us. But here's what Elisha said. He said, but He said, Then bring meal. And he cast it into the pot, and he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Can I tell you tonight, if you're living your life in sin and you've got some things in your life that you're casting into your pot and it's ruining your testimony and you're rebelling against God, can I tell you tonight, if you'll get down in these altars and ask God to forgive you, He'll forgive you. They said there's death in the pot. He cast the meal into the pot and that poison that was in the pot neutralized. Can I tell you something? God can take every last bit of this in your pot and He can say, you know what? I'm done with it. Every sin, everything that you've done to wrong me, it's gone. I've cast the mill into the pot. Everything that could harm you is now gone. The Bible says He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But what, but what must we do first? We must confess our sin. Amen. We've got to ask for that forgiveness tonight. Amen. I don't know your heart. I don't know your mind tonight. But maybe you need to come and uh, get right with the Lord tonight. Amen. This would be the night to do it. Amen. As we stand and as we sing. Have thine affections been nailed to the cross? Is thy heart right with God? Countest thou all things for Jesus but lost? Is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson blood cleansed and made holy humble and lowly right in the sight of God hast thou dominion or self and or sin is thy heart right with God over all evil without and within is thy heart right with God is thy heart right with God washed in the crimson blood 
back to your seats. You can go ahead and make a few announcements real quick, and then we'll take up an offering tonight, do something spiritual. Uh, Brother Curtis, if you want to tell about the camp real quick. July the 16th through the 21st. Uh, camp is for uh, children 10 years old through senior in high school, but any adults welcome to come. And uh, people say, what's camp like? A lot, lot like this. Amen? A lot like this. Amen? And uh only thing we're missing is a water slide. Amen? And uh, But uh, we're looking forward to camp this year and love for you to come. And uh, I'm serious. If any adults want to come, um, you can uh, stay there on the property. Um, uh, the men can stay up in the men's dorm. That's where I'm going to stay. I'm, I'm brave enough. So you, you can be brave enough to stay up there. Amen? Ladies, it's more relaxed down at the ladies' dorms. Right, Miss Collins, and uh, it's more relaxed. You can stay there, or uh, there's a hotel about three miles uh, from the camp. You can't stay there, son. Quit looking at me. And uh, but uh, the hotel's there, and, and we'd be glad to get you information on that. And uh, looking forward to it. And uh, and if you can't come to camp, I'd ask you to pray. Uh, we'll have uh, church services in the morning, and then every evening. And uh, Lord willing, we try to preach two preachers every night. Uh, but we just try to follow the Lord and, and love for you to go to camp with us. If you, got, if you want some information, we have some of these brochures here, and uh, that'll tell you everything you need to know about the camp. Thank you, Brother Josh. July 27th, I believe is when it is, 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th, Jubilee at Wayside Baptist Church. Uh, start, I guess, 7.30, you know, sister? 7 on Thursday and Friday night, uh, Saturday, 9.30, we'll serve lunch, 9, somewhere in there. <laughs> Just show up there and we'll, be, we'll go meet, amen, and then... We'll have supper that night, 5 o'clock I believe it is, and we'll start back around 6, and we'll have good preaching each night. I invite you to come out and be with us. Brother Mike would usually do this announcement, but y'all thank you for helping me. I also, we fish take up the offering. I want to ask for a little bit of help tonight. When we get through uh, the books, if you were in here, could you just stack them on one end? And we got to get these chairs up and get them back in the building. 
And if you want to stand around and help us for a little bit, it won't take just a minute. We can get all these chairs packed up, loaded up, ready to go, and have this tabernacle back ready to hand back over to Cochran Ridge. And I want to say how much I personally, I want to say, appreciate Brother Jeff and the folks here at Cochran Ridge for allowing us to hold this meeting here. Man, this has been a blessing. Man, it's been awesome this week. say if everybody grab a chair and carry it into the building we'll get these things up in about five minutes works of trying to plan the next camp meeting. There'll be sometime the end of September that will be much in prayer for us there uh, that God will bless and guide and direct in the way we need to go with that meeting. Amen? And what we've been doing is taking up a love offering each night uh, to cover the uh, preacher, but I'm not paying myself. Everything that's taken up tonight will be going into the ministry account. Uh, it'll go toward helping the expenses of the ministry. Also to help, uh, we'll put toward being able to buy a new tent and also be able to repair uh, the keyboard, amen? So I ask that you give liberally as the Lord lays on your heart, amen? Thank you. 